Thanks for joining us on the bridge today. We hope today's sermon will create a connection between you and your Creator. Now God, He's always trying to bridge the gap between heaven and earth, which means that He's He's constantly reaching out for you. And maybe this podcast can provide a bridge for that connection to take place. So, my friend, what is God saying to you today? See, I got it on my watch. I got it on my phone. Every time I pull up my phone, I have to look at it. It's for me. It is the direction of my year this year. Do what matters. So I want to start out this morning with a question. Wouldn't it be convenient if you and I were like computers? Follow me for just a minute. Um, What if you were standing in line at Walmart and there was kids with you. They're, they're like you're standing in line and there's, there's a family in front of you and they've got kids. And just imagine that the mom is sitting there patting the baby or the little kid. And the little kid's got his, he's leaning over his mom and he's, you know, she's facing this way and you're facing the back of the mom and the kid's right there. And he's looking at you and you're like, oh, he's so sweet. Hey, baby, right? And all of a sudden the kid puts you off. No. <laughs> and you're standing there in line you're like, whoa. <laughs> How would it feel if you could in that moment say, okay, God, I need a download for patience right here in this moment. Then all of a sudden, you ever heard the internet sound, the beep, right? This happens and you got patience and you're like, all right, I'm good to go. I'm good to go now, right? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just ask God for a download of patience or whatever and he would give it to you? That'd be pretty cool, right? We were like computers. Or imagine maybe that, um, that maybe, imagine that you're, going to go fasting. You want to start fasting this year, right? And your first day back to work, you go in and you're there and um, there's donuts. They buy donuts for you. They say, it's all free for you to take if you want to. And you walk in. They never do this, but this is something to do. They're going to start doing this year, right? You're like, ah. And you walk in and then, and then later on that day, they say, you know what? Y'all did such a good job last year. We're going to take everybody out for steak dinner. And you decided that you're going to fast. And in that moment, wouldn't it be nice to just say, okay, God, I need to download for self-control. And then all of a sudden, you've got self-control and you're good. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be awesome? Would you raise your, would you like check in for some of that if you could do that? Just say, okay, God, give me this digital download and I'm good. It would be nice. I think I would check in if I could for that. But it doesn't work that way, does it? Sadly, it doesn't work that way. So, when you're standing there in line behind, you know, that kid that you just want to thump in the head or, or whatever, or you're standing there and, and you're smelling all the delicious food, you suddenly you realize that information isn't enough for transformation. Information is not enough for transformation. By the way, if you want to follow along, we should be up on the Bible app today. If you want to follow along with us today. Um, We already know this, though, don't we? 
We already know that information is not enough for transformation. We're the most informed people on the face of planet Earth to ever, ever, ever exist. So if you think about it, one copy, they say that one copy of the New York Times, one issue of the New York Times has more information in it today than a normal human being would have in the 1700s, their entire life. One issue of the New York Times has more information than a human being in the 19 in the 1700s would ever have in their entire life. We have tons of information today. The most informed people ever. See, I know what it takes to lose weight. I do. Eat less and exercise more. That's it. I know how to do it. However, that download hasn't worked for me. Maybe I need to upgrade my firmware or something. It's not working for me. <laughs> we know how to do it. It's not rocket science. In order for transformation to take place with us, you have to take the information and do something with it. Right? Yeah. You have to do something with the information that you're given. We know this about our everyday lives. Right? We're driving down the road. A light comes on on the dashboard that says we're about to run out of gas. We get that information. We immediately pull over. We go get gas. We fill back up and we're good. All of a sudden, we have transformed our tank from empty to full. And we got the information and we did it. We do it every day. We do this kind of stuff all the time. We just, we have no problem applying it to some things. But why is it that we struggle to apply it to our spiritual life? It is because we have let our walk with Jesus devolve, devolve into an information download. If you think about the American church today, it basically consists of coming to church, hearing a sermon, and going back home. When we get back home, maybe we pick up our Bible, we read, we read a, a you know something off the Bible app or something, and we get more. That's pretty much it. It's information. We get information. But what do we do with that information? We come on Sunday, we get a download, we catch a sermon from our favorite evangelist or something, we get a download there. Then we read a devotional and we get a download there. And don't get me wrong, all these things are very important for us and for our spiritual life. They are important and they're great. And I can't see being a Christian and not coming to church. I can't. That's that important. I can't see being a Christian and not getting into the Word of God. I can't. It's that important. But is that enough? Does it feel like it's enough? Can I say something truthful this morning? Y'all mind? Speak, if I speak the truth? There are people who have been following Jesus longer than I have been alive. And they don't look any more like Jesus than the first day that I met them. Look at your neighbor and say, oh me. Folks, there is more to this than just getting our golden ticket to heaven. You know that, right? Yes. Amen. There's more to this than just getting our golden ticket punched. Let's jump into the Bible this morning. Luke, 39, Luke 6, 39 through 40. He also told them a parable, probably one of the shortest parables in the Bible. And he says this, Jesus said, Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? 
A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Now, that word is rabbi. You hear, you hear in the Bible, they call Jesus rabbi, rabboni, they call him rabbi, that word teacher. That's Jesus, he was a rabbi in his day. And the people who follow him were called disciples, or the, the, the Hebrew word for it is Talmudim. And when you think about that word, a more pro appropriate word for, ta for, for Talmudim is not necessarily disciple, but apprentice. Apprentice. And an apprentice, what an apprentice will do is they will, they will do what Je they will watch what Jesus did, right? You watch, I do, then I do, you help, Jesus will let them do some. Then, then, then you do, I watch, Jesus will sit and watch as they work, then you do it. And I don't help you at all. And that's how it worked with the disciples. Jesus said on, the, on his last day, when he was when he was uh, sending out his men or whatever, uh, he, was, he said, hey, here's your mission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. That is a great commission. Your turn to do it. I'm going to sit back and watch you now, right? Because he had spent three years with them. He was their rabbi, and they were his apprentice, right? They were his disciples. They were his apostles. So first thing I want to point out is this. Discipleship takes time. Amen? It takes time. And Jesus knows this. He starts off, and, he, and isn't it a kind of a relief to know that it's not a distant, uh, an instant download? That Jesus knows it's not an instant download. That he knows it's going to take us time. He knows we ain't got it figured out right now. So, it's the, the scripture, the verse that we just read says, when he is fully trained, talking about a disciple, when he is fully trained, this is Jesus knows to say, it is going to take time for you to be fully trained. Jesus knows that there's a gap between us and being like him. There's a gap between where we are and where Jesus wants us to be. You agree with that this morning? We ain't there yet. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, you ain't there yet. I'm sorry to break that news to you, okay? We ain't there yet. There's a gap. And to become, become more Christ-like, it takes an entire lifetime of following our rabbi, Jesus, in order for us to become more Christ-like. And he knows this. He knows that discipleship takes time. And thank God that he's patient with us. Thank God he's patient with me. Now, none of us here are perfect and we are all in our own place with our own discipleship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm glad you agreed that nobody in here is perfect. <laughs> and Jesus is just fine with that. He's okay with that. Throughout Scripture, you see where he met people where they were. But he never left them the same, did he? When he left, they were changed human beings. They were different. Let's look back at the scripture one more time. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully. Do you see that underlined up there? What's it say? When he's fully trained. The second thing I want to point out is this. You can't just try. You have to train. Now, some of us have given up our apprenticeship to Jesus because we don't just, we don't train, we just try. Okay? Let me explain to you what I mean by that. I believe that I could run a half marathon. I do. If you look at me and you say, oh, you're crazy. I believe I can do it. I believe I could run a half marathon. 
Now, you stick me out there tomorrow and let me try, I might make it to, to mile two and the ambulance is going to have to come get me, right? That's, <laughs> that's just the truth. But I still believe I could do it. It is not possible yet. Look at your neighbor and tell them, say, it's not possible yet. 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 So, if I train a half year each week and I add a little bit to that. So let's just say I do want to try to run a marathon. I want to set that goal for half a year. If I start right now in about half a year, I want to run a half marathon. What I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to run some every week. I'm going to have to train every week. And each week I'm going to add a little bit onto my running, onto my running regimen so that eventually it will get longer and longer and longer and longer. And then when that time runs around, I can run that 3.1 mile, 13.1 miles like it ain't nothing. Now, I have never experienced this, but you know that's how it's supposed to work. I have done a mile before and two miles, and it was hard to do at first, but I got to where I could just handle it, no problem. It's the same way. You can't just try. You have to train. Can you say that with me? You can't just try. You have to train. And it's the same with following Jesus. You see, there is a gap between us and Christ-likeness. And you and I, we need a bridge. How appropriate. Is that the name of our church? We need a bridge. And that bridge is Jesus. He is. He stands there in between us. And we, you and I, we can stand on one side of this gap and we can look at the other side and say, it's too hard. I can't get there. And so we can just sit down on this side of that gap of that bridge. But Jesus wants to provide a way for us to begin to walk across that bridge and to become more like him. Now we're going to do something this year that I have never done at any other church. Never. And I've been going to church ever since I was born. We'll do something this year that we've never done anywhere else. I'll venture to say that no church in Dyersburg is going to be doing it either because it's kind of unusual. But I think it's what it's where the God is leading us. You and I this year, what we are going to do is we're going to do what matters. We're not just going to sit down on the other side of that bridge. We're going to attempt together to walk across that bridge. Y'all with me this time? Y'all with me this year? Can you wake up this morning? Amen? Yeah? We're going to try to walk across that bridge together. And community. This year we're not just going to be Christians, but we're going to train. We're going to do what Jesus did. Not just think like he think. Not just listen to what he said, but we're going to try to do what Jesus did. Okay? Does that sound cool? Yeah. And hopefully we will go when we do this, we will go from here to here. From here to here. We have to do more than just information. We need more than just information for transformation. We've already talked about this. However, it is important for us to know what to do before we go out and do it. We have to do what matters. Don't stop it just knowing it is time for us to do as followers of Jesus as apprentices of Jesus. I don't think that it's God's will for you and I to remain the same. I don't think that when I turn 80 years old, it would be okay if I was still the exact same way today, then, as I am today. That's not okay. It's not okay. That's not God's plan for us. 
His plan is to transform us. God's will is for you to be transformed. Check it out. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 says this. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being. Can y'all say that out loud? Transformed into the same image. From one degree of glory to another, for the for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is how it happens, is in connection with the Spirit. But we are to be transformed into the image of Jesus a little at a time. A little at a time. One degree, from one degree of glory to another. A little at a time. But how can we do it? How can we do it? <sighs> We don't do what God does. Right? Amen. Now, some of you are thinking, oh gosh, I thought he was going to ask me to do something hard now. I'm off the hook. Awesome. I could just get back in my chair and let God change me, right? I can just go get in the, in the tan bed and go from being pale white to being nice and golden brown. Just let Jesus tan me, right? I can let him transform me. Because we don't do it, God does it. And that's an attitude. That happens in, a, in the American church today. And there is part truth to that. Okay? There is some truth to that. If, actually, notice the scripture says we are being transformed. You see that? It says we are being transformed. So, what does that mean? Will we just sit back and we just let God do all the work while we do absolutely nothing? I don't think so. I think what we have to do is create an environment for change to happen in our lives. We have to create an environment. We have to have our gardens ready, so to speak. So turn to Galatians 5 and 16. If you want to read along with me, I'm going to read through it real quick. If there is ever uh, probably one of my favorite passages in Scripture, it's this here. Paul says, starting in verse 16, he says, But I say, walk. By the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Wow. But if you are, there is so much in this, man. We could just hang out here for a little while, but we'll come back. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, uh, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, everybody say but. but. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's the key, church. That's the key. Let us not become uh, come conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Awesome passage of Scripture. Beautiful passage of Scripture. Now, back to our question. Let's go on. Galatians 5 and 22 and 23. We're going to zoom in right here. Okay. I started pursuing this line of thought, church, over a year and a half ago. I started really digging into this, this, this passage of Scripture because it was, a, it was just, you know, something that caught my attention. And I would come back to it over and over throughout the past, I would say, two years. 
And, and I want to show you, here is all of the books. Not all of them, some of them. Some of the books that I have read to prepare for this sermon series that we're going to get into. Okay? And, and um, I'm just, one of them is called The Spirit of the Disciplines. Good book. Creating a Habitation for God's Glory. That's an amazing book. John Mark Comer, Live No Lies. This is a good book. Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. I have read so much up on this subject. Now, here's one that you might recognize. This is the Church of God Prophecy Foundations course. You have to take this, these, one of these, you know, there's like four of these books that you have to read and take tests on before you can become a pastor or anything like that. And, and I read through this book again and again, Spiritual Formation. And everything I'm going to talk about is in this. So it's approved by Church of God Prophecy. I'm not going off the rails or going crazy here, okay? But it's right here. These are just a few of the books that I have read on, on just kind of trying to figure some of this out. Um, however, since we started out this series at the beginning of the year, what I think I need to do is go ahead and start at the end, okay? I'm going to start at the end. And uh, the last statement will make sense here in just a minute. So let me show you something real quick. I see that okay? What do we have up here? These are the fruits, right? Fruits of the Spirit. In order, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Isn't that an amazing list? Wouldn't you like to have that list for your life? Wouldn't you like for that list to become a reality in your life? Yeah. It's actually the attributes of God. That's the attributes of Jesus. And that's the attributes that we are, as followers of Christians who are walking in the Spirit are supposed to have. Amen? That's what we just read. That's the scriptures that we just read. So, I have a strong conviction that the fruits of the Spirit, what you see up here, are connected to the spiritual disciplines. And I've asked several preachers this very same question. I've asked several of them. I said... Do you think that the fruits of the Spirit are connected to the spiritual disciplines? And every one of them said, yes, I do. But they couldn't tell me how. They couldn't tell me how. And I said, well, can you just point me to some resources somewhere that can help me connect these? And I probably was thinking about it the wrong way. but So I just began, and they couldn't, they couldn't point me to a resource. So I, I began to embark on my own journey, and I, and I didn't find it in any of these books. Although I did learn quite a bit about spiritual formation, okay? And what I did learn is that the spiritual disciplines cannot give us transformation. Only God can do that. Amen? Amen. Only God can, tra can transform us. We just read that in Scripture. But, but, the disciplines do help us provide an environment in which growth can happen. If you plant a seed, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you plant a seed in a garden, there are things that you have to do to make sure that that garden is going to grow, right? You can't, if it's in the wrong soil, it's not, we read the parable of the soils, and all of those soils 
None of the, the seeds worked out except for one. And there are some things that you have to do to prepare an environment so that spiritual growth can happen in your life. God brings the increase. Amen? But there are some things you and I, our part, some things we can do to make, our, to make this conducive for Him. Right? In other words, we work the garden and God brings the fruit. Make sense? You see, gardens and vineyards and orchards, they're all similar in that you cannot make the fruit grow. But there are best practices for providing a conducive environment for growth. There are things that you can do to make that garden grow, in other words. Amen? These practices in a believer's life are called Spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. You can call them whatever you want to call them. If you don't like the word discipline because it seems too hard, you can say practices or you can say habits, whatever you want to say, okay? Whatever makes you the most comfortable. But whatever floats your boat, but the idea is that you do what matters. You do what matters so that you can see transformation take place in your life. I used to wrestle with this so much because I, I, I like want to say, I can make this happen. I can make this happen in my life. If I just do this, and if I just do that, and if I just do this, and if I just do that, I can make this happen in my life. I wanted to be in control of that. In reality, gardens don't work that way. Ask farmers. You can do everything right, and then a rain comes and flood, and a flood comes and wipes your crop out, right? They did everything right. But it's still, they didn't get no fruit out of it. So today, we're going to start at the end of the list. What's at the end of the list? Self-control. Self-control. The fruit of self-control. I need that downloaded in my life big time. So now I want to ask you a question. Is there a practice or a spiritual discipline from the life of Jesus that can help us Cultivate self-control. Anybody want to answer? Yes. You got that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's it. Now, fasting won't give you self-control. That's a fruit of the Spirit that comes from God. Amen? Mm-hmm. But fasting can help you cultivate that garden and that environment for that. Check it out. Fasting isn't just trying. It's training. Remember what I said earlier? You have to train and not just try. What you're doing is you're putting yourself in a situation where you have to tell your flesh no. You have to tell your flesh no. You train, right? Your training is what you're doing. You do it now so that you will be ready when the real test comes. You tell your flesh no now so that when the real test comes your way, you've had practice at telling your flesh no. You do it 
And practice telling your flesh no so that when sexual temptation comes along, you will have practice at telling your flesh no. And what it does is it gives you practice at having dominion over your desires. Dominion over your desires. Because in reality, that's how it was supposed to be in the first place. Until the Garden of Eden happened, and then all of a sudden, our desires had dominion over us. We'll talk more about that in the future. But the idea is that we practice dominion over our desires. Now, there, there's so much for me to say. I don't have time to say, but we're going to, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about this. So we'll get to know more about it. And some of you are like, oh. For the next three weeks. I'll see you in February. <laughs> for now, let's talk about practicing what we preach. I, I want us as a church this year to practice this for 21 days this month. Oh, my Jesus. Did he just say that? I did, yes. We're going to try for the next 21 days, actually more than that, um, to work on some fasting practices in our own life. I'm going to let you choose how you fast, okay? But to get... but. Let me go over some basics real quick, and I'll let you go, all right? We're going to go more in depth in weeks to come. But first thing first, fasting is food, okay? Amen. Biblically speaking, fasting is not eating food. That's how it is. Now, I have in the past, and I'm correcting myself for some of the things I've talked about in the past. I have in the past fasted television, fasted video games, and said, hey, if you just give something up, it's good. And it is good. It's not saying that it's wrong, but it's not fasting. Amen. Others have attempted to fast social media or Candy Crush. I have no problems with those. But I deeply admire this. But biblically speaking, this is not a fast. It is something, another practice called abstinence. You abstain from these things. And they can bring blessing in your life. Oh, one million percent. If you don't think going without social media for a week will not ease your anxiety, try it. Okay? It can bring some fruit in your life. Um... Um, but I feel like it is a very helpful practice we can cover later. But for now, what I want to talk about is a corporate fast, right? A corporate fast, which is all of us doing this together. Um, now, I want to show you this. This is the fast that I'm going to be doing myself. Raise your hand if you're on the Bible app today. Let me see if you got on the Bible app. Some of you did, some of you didn't. Okay. So this is, I don't. Don't do a lot of paper and stuff because it costs money at the church. Believe it or not, it costs quite a bit to print stuff off. We try to do things digitally. So let me, if you want to know what we're doing, I'm going to go ahead and put it up on Facebook. But if you want to know right now, I'm going to put it up on screens. You pull out your phones if you want to. Take pictures of the screens as I go through them. And you'll kind of have, you'll have a list of things that we're going to do. All right, so here we go. Um, first thing, this is the fast that I'm going to do, that the Lord led me to do. All right, week one. No breakfast. Not only any breakfast, okay? Um, I will only be fasting for this fast Monday through Friday, all right? Saturday and Sunday for me are feast days on purpose, intentionally. Those are other practices that I do uh, for, for when my relationship with God. I do it on purpose. Um, to me, Saturday, Saturday is Sabbath for me. And I know some people don't practice Sabbath. That's fine. I'm not a Seventh-day Adventist, but I do practice Sabbath. You don't have to practice Sabbath on a Saturday. You can practice it any day of the week, all right? But the idea is that you set aside time 
to enjoy God, to enjoy the life that God has blessed you with, right? To intentionally delight in Him and His creation and the people around you. That is a Sabbath, okay? We can go, we're going to go more deep into that later on, but I will tell you this much. I've been doing it for about a year and a half, and it has helped me immensely. If I hadn't been doing it, I probably would still be here, just to tell you the truth, okay? Sabbath, okay? That's the day of feasting for me. I actually practice Sabbath on Saturday, and then Sunday is the Lord's Day. That is something that I do. All right, it's today that we set aside another day for celebration and feasting, coming together with the church, enjoying one another. We're going to go out to eat after, somewhere, I'm sure, after this and just enjoy a feast with each other. That's how, you know, it works for me on these days. And so I will not be fasting on Saturday or Sunday. They will be my feast days. Now, week two, no breakfast to lunch. That's how I'm going to do it until 3 p.m. You see this in some of the ancient church. They would practice a fast until uh, about 3 p.m. And that's what we're doing. And the reason I'm doing this is because I want you to be intimidated. I'd like for you to try to ease into this with me if you want to. You can do your own fast. But I'm trying to make it to where we're easing into this. Okay? First week, no breakfast. The second week, no breakfast or lunch until 3 p.m. That's Monday through Friday. Then on week three, sun up to sundown. All right? It's ancient church practice, sun up to sundown. That's how they would, that's how they would fast, sun up to sundown. All right? Now, remember, I'm not doing weekends, so three weeks is only 15 days. So on the fourth week, mix it up, whatever you want to do. You can do sun up to sundown, you can do till 3 o'clock, you can just do breakfast, however you want to do it, okay? Um, finally, on week five, that is day 21. The first day of week five is day 21. I'm going to go all out and do a 24-hour fast, okay? You see how that's working, though? Gradually working your way up to an entire day of fasting. And so I'm trying to make this accessible for us if we want to do it, if you want to participate. Um, that's the fast that I feel God's telling me to do. And you can join me if you would like to. It's gradual, and it can help you ease into it. Now, you can do whatever you feel that God is calling you to do. You can do a Daniel fast, right? Daniel fast is, um, many people do this one because it's a partial fast where you only eat fruits and vegetables and meat. No salt and pepper. If you want to know more about the Daniel fast, you can Google it. Or on the Bible app, I, I put like several reading plans. One of them is the Daniel fast. It will probably help you uh, understand what that is. You may also attempt what the ancient church did at one time. They did Wednesday and Friday, sun up to sundown. Every week they would do Wednesday and Friday, sun up to sundown. That's what the church did. Um, the ancient church. I'm not talking about church got a prophecy. I'm talking about what Way further back, the church got props, right? Uh, Wednesday, Friday, sun up to sundown, and here's some things for you to expect, okay? As you fast, headaches. Probably gonna happen. Just letting you know, all right? I can't do headaches, Pastor. I just can't do it. So I'm not gonna participate in this. That's fine. It's up to you. But let me just tell you something. My beautiful, lovely wife probably has a headache right now. She has a headache every day of her life. And she fasts more than I do. So, um, you will have headaches. It's going to happen. What's happening is your flesh is arguing with you. And it is time for you to take dominion over that bad boy. All right? It's time for you to tell him, no, I'm the boss. You're not the boss. Okay? It's normal on a fast to have headaches. Remember, you're taking dominion over your flesh. Second, 
fatigue. It's going to happen. You're not eating as much as you were eating. Uh, part of the fatigue, actually, if you're doing a fast ride, is you're de detoxing your body. And some of the toxins are coming to your head. You're probably having a foggy head and all this stuff. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. You will get tired. Just expect and plan for the fatigue as best as you can. When I was on a fast, my wife and I, we went on a 40-day joint fast together. And I'm telling you that because everybody out here already knows it. We couldn't keep it a secret because it was like, how come Jeremy's not here? How come Angela's not here eating with us? You know, and, and we want to offend anybody not eating. And so we finally just had to say, hey, we're on a 40-day fast. That's why we're you know, not eating out with you or whatever. But while we were doing that, I would work with, I would go to work with Charles, and I would get exhausted. For one time, I went seven, I went seven days solid, and I just was at work. I got dizzy. I said, Charles, I'm going home. I went home, took a nap. Just took a nap. Got up, come back to work. Okay, listen to your body. Do as best as you can. Okay. Um, hangry. It's gonna happen. You're gonna get it. You're gonna get hangry. Your flesh is kicking back, okay? You will get cranky and so will your spouse. At least now you have an excuse. Amen? <laughs> give, <laughs> give each other grace when you do this. Give yourself some grace. Understand what's happening. If you have major health issues, you may want to ask your doctor before you do this. Do not skip medicine. I'm not asking you to do that. You take your medicine as a doctor prescribed for you to take, okay? Um, do what you can. Do what you can. During the fast, what I'm going to be doing is uh, I'm going to put up a prayer focus for all 21 days of the fast. And um, I, it will be on Facebook, on our church Facebook page. Each day, if you want to look at it and check it out, it will be there. Or I will maybe send it through the prayer text that we have. These are two avenues that you can see our prayer focus for each days of the fast. So, let's join together in a corporate prayer during this fast so that we can be in one mind and one accord praying for what we need to pray for. Also, yourself, have in mind why you want to do this. When you're fasting, okay, we're in a corporate fast for a reason, but also have in mind something that you want out of the fast. A reason that you're fasting. That way, when you write this down, you look at this thing, it's going to help motivate you to keep going. Because it's not easy. I'm just telling you right now. This is an uphill thing. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's worth it. It is. Now, if you have the Bible app, you have all this information on today's event, but you also, I have also uploaded several Bible reading plans to help motivate you through this fast. When, I, when we were on that fast, it was hard, and I actually had a book that I read. When I, when I felt bad, I would go pick up that book and motivate myself to keep going. Because it's not easy, okay? You need to provide, think ahead, maybe look at some of the, those Bible reading plans that are there to help motivate you when it gets really, really, really hard. Another thing I want you to think about is this. I'm, I'm getting ready to end. When you feel hungry, <coughs> not if, when, when you experience the hunger pain, okay, let that be a cue for you to pray about whatever it is you're fasting for that day. Does that make sense? When you get that, when that hunger pain comes, you might be in the middle of a meeting or something like that, but in your head, at least say a prayer. Let your mind at least go towards 
what your your prayer for that day. Whether you're praying for whatever in the corporate fast or whatever it is, the reason that you're taking the fast. Is that helpful? Does that make sense? When you when you do this, when you get hungry, you're going to get hungry. It's going to be a reminder for you to pray for whatever's happening. You'll be praying quite a bit <laughs> because you will get hungry. All right. So, can we do this, church? Amen. Can we do it? Now, you don't have to do the same fast that I'm doing. You can do whatever else you want to do. I encourage you to, again, pay attention to your health. Don't, if you have medications you need to take, take those medications. Um, but if you can only do one meal a day, do that. But do it for God. And we're going to take the next couple of weeks and we're going to talk about fasting and how important it is, why we do it, what it does. Okay? Church?